This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening and welcome to Homesdale Radio. Homesdale Radio. Brilliant strike, short scandal, puts Crystal Palace in front from absolutely nothing. Driven in, and a wonderful strike by Dean Moxie. Dean Moxie does well to put it back into the danger area. This is Jermaine Easter and that's a wonderful finish. Now, Chris. Hello, I'm your host, Chris Hamley, and I can just confirm I was completely ready for that earlier on when I had to say welcome to Homesdale Radio, and in no way should the tone of my voice indicate I wasn't. <clears throat> right, okay, welcome to Homesdale Radio, of course. Uh, I am your host, Chris Hambling, and with me today I have uh, Albert and Matthew Packham. Uh, I shall come to those in a minute, but before I do, I'm just going to uh, read out some uh, contact information for you. Uh, we're very much uh, keen on pushing Twitter at the moment. There's plenty of followers of us on Twitter. If you want to message us, it's just include at Whole Radio with your message. And we're twitter.com forward slash Whole Radio. You can message us on Facebook as well. It's facebook.com forward slash Whole Radio. Uh, if we get time, we'll uh, be taking calls later on. It's 0208 123 1646, but we'll let you know if that's uh, required. And email is radio at homesdale.net. Okay, there's plenty for you today. Um, Later on, we'll be talking to uh, Raj Chandarana, who's the uh, project manager of the the new training ground project, and hopefully uh, uh, Raj will be answering some of your uh, key questions on uh, on where that project's going and and what the process was for appointing a project manager and all sorts of uh, other things that have come up, and we've got a few uh, listener questions in on that one. Um, Okay, and uh, also we're just going to talk about the three friendlies since the last game. That's the uh, Wickham, East Grinstead and Crawley matches. Uh, go into a bit of detail on the uh, the sort of the signings that have played and those that haven't. Talk a bit about some of the trialists and uh, and talk about some of the the youth players who have impressed us. 
uh, as well as having a, a quick look forward to what's coming up in the next week in terms of friendlies. Um, I've had some interesting connection issues with our uh, with my co-presenters. I'm going to go and check if Albert's actually there. Albert? All right. Hooray! See what I did I was doing your dramatic pause. It was, it was the comedy pause. I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> now, you were supposed to be joining us last week, weren't you? Now, um... There was there was an issue there. What there was I... issues. There was issues. Uh, I had my car towed unexpectedly, and uh, which meant I was lumbered in a place with no internet connection. And what was worse, I had to go to Bermondsey to collect mm. it. Uh, have you washed since? Well, yeah, you know, I'd like to wash once a week anyway. So yeah, it's, it's, See, it has been seven not... days. Therefore, I have washed. So <laughs> that's that's the ideal amount to wash if you're. I a had man. to walk past the den oh, at least God. twice to find my car. But, uh, maybe everyone so you... be pleased to know that I flipped it off a couple of times <laughs> discreetly, <laughs> discreetly, because yeah, there were some loitering meatheads. Yeah, you know what they're like. But um, so you had to actually walk past the den twice and pay money to get your car back. Where did you uh, park it so it got towed? Outside my girlfriend's house in really? Brixton. Yeah, it wasn't her that towed it. She hasn't got a problem with me staying there. It was, uh, Lambeth okay. Council. If anyone from Lambeth Council is listening, I'd like to wish you a slow, painful death. <laughs> that is fair. Okay. Uh, Pax, are you there? You're right, sweaty. Oh, now that's uncalled for, isn't it? You know, <laughs> I got a little warm earlier on, but I'm all right now. I'm not sweating yet. I'll keep you informed of my sweat progress, though, if you like. Um, you, uh, how'd you get on, uh, uh, this week? You got, got a bit of a cricket injury, didn't you? Terrible, mate, yeah. Elbow injury, but it's all good now. Perfect. Yeah. You took a ball to the elbow, was it? From, uh. Yeah, even training, but it's all good now. Alright, good stuff. Anything it's all healed up. else, anything else exciting happened to you? Uh, no, but I just wanted to say that, um, you were mentioning that Albert washes once a week. What about mm. your wash once every two weeks? No, oh, well, you know, these, that is true, but it's not the time to be sharing my, my hygiene habits. I actually wanted to ask, you went to the East Grinstead game, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember, there was a second half, there was an incident, well, there's a couple of incidents. One involved me being hit with a football, but another one involved you, didn't it? Do you remember what happened with that? When? Do you remember when you, you went and fetched the ball? There was a shot that came in, went over the goal, you were standing behind the goal. You went to fetch the ball, and you you went to kick it back in. Do you not remember this? Oh, yeah, but that was because I was wearing my boat shoes. You're wearing your boat shoes, and you shanked it wide right, and everyone chanted, sign him up. I thought that was a marvellous <laughs> moment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so there, I've got that one out of my system. I wanted to it's get right, you'll there. get chin tomorrow anyway, so it's fine. Pr- appreciate it. Okay, uh, also coming up, well, I just want to give a quick uh, big up for the chat room on Homesdale. If you're on Homesdale online listening to us do uh, have a look in the chat room if you go to the uh, more tab on the home page uh, click on more and you'll see in there there is a link to chat um, and that and that will get you in touch with some quite disturbing people in the chat room but you'll enjoy it i'm sure you will but they did want us to get been a bit quiet in there of late uh, so they wanted us to mention it and uh, well, we're going to move straight on, and we're going to talk about uh, talk about the friendlies. The first friendly uh, was the the Wickham game. Uh, was it the Wickham game you were asking me about, Pax? That was the Crawley game, wasn't it? Pax, Pax. Oh. Yeah, sorry, mate. Yep. No, sorry. I had the old <laughs> microphone talk- on you, mute, you, 
That's fair enough. Are you and me talking about Crawley or Wickham? Like I forget. We can do we can do both if you want, or we can do one Excellent. or the other. You you saved me there. Uh, so yeah, Wickham. Uh, that right, was a yeah. nil nil. So go on. What what do you need to know? Right. First one. How did the game go, and what were Friedman's tactics that day? Mm, I'm glad you've asked. It's, do you know what? The Wiccan game is quite a long while away now. But um, in those games, uh, in that particular game, sorry, it was a... Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the story of our pre-season so far. You know, quite a lot of changes, quite a lot of... Uh, no real flow to it, but some impressive sort of individual displays. And I think the Wickham was uh, the first time we saw saw Johnny Williams... Uh, and we'll That's talk interesting. about that in a bit. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Albert, you've got some uh, fairly uh, regular questions about Wickham. Yeah, I was just going to... Well, I've got questions yeah. about friendlies in general, really. I just oh, want okay. to know, know if we're sort of, after the three games, whether we look like we're playing a similar system or does Friedman look like he's changing it up a bit? Are we a bit more expansive or is it similar sort of absorbing pressure? Yeah, actually, that, that actually directs me to actually answering what Pax asked me as well. Um, there's been a um, there's been a sort of tendency. I'd say the most popular formation over over the three friendlies, if you like, has probably been four four two, and that's where we've looked strongest. But um, there certainly is, is a lot less uh, long balls uh, being played. Uh, and yeah, I mean, talking about talking about systems, we Dougie's tried tried pretty much tried them all. The, the ones that we're used to. Um, the one that really didn't work, I think, was uh, first half at Crawley was the four five one. Uh, with Scannell on the left and Zahar on the right with, with Easter in the middle. I think we just really, really struggled to get any kind of service up there. And, it, and we looked very, very negative. And, and that's probably what we're talking about from last season where uh, we were we were soaking up pressure and, and looking to sort of eke out a game. And that's not really what, what we want to see going into next season. Uh, well, so, Easter's, I mean, not, Easter's not really a target man, is he, to be honest? Exactly. That's certainly not the role I'd pick him in. Um, I just, I mean, he's not he's not played up alongside Murray, and that's that's pretty much where I'd want to see him. Chris, uh, yes, Pax. Did Everson play at Wickham? He didn't. No, Everson. I, I read today he's been carrying a, uh, I think it's an ankle ligament injury. Right. But um, that's and he's not he's not really trained that much. So I think yeah, we've not seen anything of him. Um, right. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how they play Murray if they play up front together. Who will be the target man? Yeah, that's a very good point actually. I think Everson's more of a natural target man than Murray is. Murray's uh, although you know he's strong in the air. And if you ever look on, uh, on on YouTube, he's um he's he's uh, he's scored quite a lot of his goals from with his head but um you know we have hit the long the occasional pass up to his head but that's not really his game from the looks of things he looks much much better on the deck um and it, and that, yeah i think that's possibly a good shout to see what would happen with those two certainly certainly not a huge amount of pace there but but with the with you know with the with the wide players we've got they can probably bring that side side to it really yes yes <laughs> I'm glad you approve of my answer. Um, all right, look, well, I think the most, the most sort of exciting game we've seen, uh, in pre-season so far was the one you, you were at as well, Pax, was the East Grinstead game. Oh, um, yeah, mate. Wasn't, wasn't the best game of football, but, um, but it certainly was, well, we saw four goals. And we also, we also talked to, we also talked to Dougie Freeman, which when we've just finished this little bit of chat, Mikey's gonna play in again. Um, but, I mean, we saw some goals there, and uh, I'm going to actually ask you, Pax, who impressed you most at East Grinstead? Do you remember? 
Yeah, I'd probably say Stuart O'Keefe impressed me the most, to be honest. I thought mm. he dominated the middle. I know it's hard to judge, you know, because they're only playing East Grinstead, which is mm. only a local club, but he looked, he just looked like he knew what he was doing and was controlling the game, I thought. What about you? Yeah. I think it's a very, very good shout. I liked, uh, I liked Quade, Quade Taylor. Um, uh, I thought he looked, oh, I don't know, don't make too many comparisons, but he did look very, very, uh, calm on the ball. Uh, and pretty much I'd say every single pass he played out from the back found its target. And of course he was the one who opened the scoring as well, so he really did impress me. Uh, yeah, I mean there was a, there was a few to come out of that game for credit. Um, I think if Cadell Daniels won actually, he played at, played at left back. Um, obviously he's, he's been on whole radio as well. Um, he, I thought he was just a fantastic, uh, attacking left back. Just, just, you know, bags of energy and pace. And, you know, very, very direct. I mean, he had, he had a ve- an early, early-ish run and shot that was, you know, pretty much the first time we'd looked a threat that came from, from him running from left back. So I was really impressed with him as well. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, sorry, you've got some follow-up questions, Albert, I keep missing. Yeah, whilst we're on the, uh, you mentioned, uh, Quay Taylor and Cadell mm. Daniels. So which of the youngsters has looked sort of the most likely to, you know, stake a claim for the first team? Yeah, I think everyone's been uh, been pretty much blown away by the potential of John Williams. Um, he he's just one of those. He looks such a slight player. Someone asked if he was the mascot when he was warming up against Wickham, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just he's just got uh, some you know something about him, some degree of uh, of ability that that we don't really see an awful lot of at, at this level and at this football club really. Uh, if you sort of compare. The sort of um, speed of his feet to, some, to someone like Wilf Sahar, but you add the fact that he's he's a sort of uh, terrier-like central midfielder. He's extremely. It's, I say it's not anything I've, I think I've seen come through at Palace for a long, long time, and I think um, certainly he's going to have to have a part to play this season. He really, really is. I mean, given given the number twenty shirt, um, I think that possibly says he's he's got a part to play. Um, yeah, very much looking forward to seeing him. But he's not the only one. Uh, Alex Winter did well in the 45 minutes he had against Basingstoke. I think, I mean, he made his debut a couple of seasons ago now as a 16-year-old. And um, we've been waiting for him to break through, really. He can play in midfield and he can play in, uh, you know, as a centre-back. And I, I see him probably, well, he sees himself perhaps more as a uh, as a centre-back. But, um, sorry, as a, as a midfielder when we spoke to him. But... Yeah, I just just think he he is one who can break through. He is one who can who can make a difference now. He's the right size. He's got the right temperament. Um, I mean, from speaking to him last season, you know, similar to to speaking to to, to like to Ryan Innes as well. They've just got a calm and an, almost an authority in their in their voice. You know, which is very strange when you when you're talking about sixteen and seventeen year old kids. Really, um, I mean, those yeah, sort of certainly Winter and Williams have been, have, have been very impressive. <laughs> and, uh, the, getting on to the the big questions, how has uh, Big Claude Davis been playing? Claude Davis? Uh, I don't know who he even plays for anymore. What? Do you mean Calvin Andrew? No, Claude Davis. How's he been playing? <laughs> he, uh, what I mean, I've got to say, I'm really looking forward to seeing him tomorrow at Norwich. Uh, are you? Are you really? Yeah. How's he doing, alright? Um... I don't want to be the one to tell you this, mate. Um, Frey, 
I'm afraid Claude was released at the end of last season. What? No, no, he, he, he was. No, he really, really was. Uh, right. Um, God. Just do, you need a do you need I a mic? No, I've just got to make a note. First thing tomorrow morning, cancel season ticket. <laughs> That's fine, we can, we can move on now. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Oh, we're going to miss Claude. You know, especially if you think we haven't got any uh, recognised centre backs as such at the moment. It seems. I distracting. did wonder why he wasn't returning my calls. I've got to say. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, yeah, I miss him already. Not as much as some people. Um, you know who you are out there listening now. Um, I want to talk actually. You sort of jog my memory about uh, David Wright. Playing at centre back against Wickham, uh, that was a surprise. Um, I, I, I have to say, I thought first half he was our best player by some distance. Um, he, it's an op, yeah, exactly. It's, it's an option there. It's not something I, I thought about. And um, we obviously, we you know we are we are very weak at centre back. If of all that we've you know we've strengthened that that strengthened that squad all over really. Uh, even in some surprising areas with the signing of, of, of Jonathan Parr. But, but you know, everyone knows it's, having one recognised centre-back is just not the way to go into a new season. And we're, and we're fast running out of time, really. I mean, that's, that's a concern to me. Pax, how, how do you feel about that situation? Worrying, mate, to be honest. I think if he doesn't pick up a centre-back before the 6th of August, we're in trouble. Like you said, you know, it's very... There's no experience at the back apart from McCarthy and who's going to play with him. My only reason I'd do is maybe put Moxie at left centre-back and put this Jonathan Parr on the left, but he needs to get two at least, really, yeah. so they can have a bit of competition as well. I said, and you don't want to be moving players into positions that they don't play, do you? Especially at the start no. of the season. If you've got a bunch of injuries or something like that, maybe you would. You know, Maybe you'd think about, oh, we've got to get a bit of cover in here. Play a kid or, or, or play a guy out of position, but you don't want to. You don't want to start the season in that position. Yeah, uh, correct. And you don't want to um, leave it too late, because otherwise, you know, they need to get to know the team and how they play the, their football. Mm. So there's always that as well. I just think he needs to hurry up. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Albert, do you worry that perhaps we, although we didn't said we weren't doing it, that perhaps we hung around too much for Anthony Gardner to make his mind up? Uh, in all seriousness, I'm still surprised that we let, um, Claude Davis go, you know, without having a, I mean, maybe Gardner made a bit more of a in, uh, indication that he was gonna sign and now he hasn't, so they got rid of, mm. uh, Claude, you know, a bit too early. And I mean, not that I rated Barrett, but again, you know, at least it's someone that can, you know, play in that position and say yeah, they're happy to play cool. there. So, uh, yeah, it is a bit worrying, but, you know, mm. worse things have happened. Um, yeah, um, and there are, you okay. know, David Wright. David Wright isn't going to get a game in midfield, hopefully. So we might as well, you know, play him at the back if that's what it, you know, if it comes down to that. Then, yeah, I, I mean, the, the Wickham sort of uh, forward line. Although, um, really, on the day, probably it was Gareth Ainsworth who must be about thirty-seven, thirty-eight now. Um, Plus, who was really, who was, yeah, who was really uh, making them tick, but. But their their front line were pretty quick and uh, you know sort of mobile, and I was very impressed with with, uh, with Wright's reading of the game. He just seemed to get a foot in at the right time. Uh, Matt Parsons sort of struggled early on uh, with the experience of, of Ainsworth, sort of giving him a real hard time, and Wright was was you know was next to him and helped him out and sort of talked him through and all that sort of stuff. So I thought that was invaluable. 
But if you if you go to what we've what we've done with with the two centre back trialists we've had, we've had Morgan Gould and uh, Francois Marc or Marquet. Uh, and, and we've basically, well, Morgan Gould, we know we didn't sign, and, and as of today, Dougie's told, told us that he's not gonna do a move for, for Mark as well. So, I mean, two options there. Certainly seeing Gould play, um, I thought we could have done a job, but I guess, I guess the finances were, were not right for us. Uh, Francois Mark, I can probably understand, certainly from his first half display against Crawley, where, he should have been sent off and uh, had a bit of a nightmare, bless him. I think perhaps, you know, I can understand that one a bit more. But, I mean, does... Well, I'll ask you this question, Pax. Does that show, uh, despite the, the sort of fairly desperate situation we find ourselves in with centre-backs, that Dougie's still not going to make a signing unless he's absolutely certain it's the right thing to do? No, that's correct. I think he is waiting to find the right player. But the question is... Does he know in his head who he wants to get? I mean, he keeps saying he does, but there's no news about it, and I don't really know what he's doing. I'd, and it's the same with that Pedroza. You know, mm. he, he said that he's impressed with him, um, and yet he's saying he's going to give him another week on trial, just sign him up before anyone else does. It's not a great yeah. deal of money, and from what I've, I know, we saw him at East Grinstead, and he wasn't. You know, he wasn't no. great, but if Tottenham wanted him for one million, he's obviously not a bad player. No, exactly, and uh, he's been very complimentary about him. I think, well, he said he didn't. Want, it was unfair to see him play game after game, which I thought was. I'm not going to criticise Dougie, here, but it's, I think it's, a, it's an interesting comment. It sort of perhaps suggests that that's the reason he wasn't playing him at Crawley, and that was the reason he, he answered the question in that way. But it just seems an odd thing to do. It just seemed, like you say, if, if he's impressed with him, then. Then let's do it, you know. Let's let's get it sorted. Get ourselves, you know, another striker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, mean, I think you're right. It's good good to bring up his performance against East, against East Grinstead actually, because on the surface we're, it was uh, a mostly a reserve team of ours, um, and you would expect a player of that quality to to shine at that level. Um, he really, I mean, he struggled with the surface. Let's say that. Let's, let's be fair on him. Um, it yeah, wasn't. No, it was no. long grass, but. But he, Mate, and he had, you know. Tomorrow, you know, tomorrow we'll see how he plays, because I think tomorrow's the key game where you can judge players and how they're going to play, because you've got more mm. competition. Okay, that's, that's a fair point, and that's probably, you know, I very much hope we do see him tomorrow. You know, a couple of the games I've just seen him, I think 17 minutes against Wickham, he's warming up most of the game. And, uh, yeah, just, just the East Grinstead game, and, I mean, obviously, Dougie sees him in training, and he must see something there. And I have to admit, when he, I think it was two occasions he burst through against East Grinstead, and he did, he did have that little something about him. He's got the occasional little touch as well, a little bit of technique that, um, you know, he's not all about just pace and trying to, you know, get in behind the defence. He can, he can play a bit as well. So I can see what Dougie gets there, but, but you just want him to be a bit more decisive. Okay, Albert, I'm going to come to you for the, the, the final trialist that was, was turned down today. Uh, you might not know nothing about him. Not know nothing? Who speaks like that? You might not know anything about him. Uh, but I hope you do. His, his name is Rene. Rene Osei Kofi. You know him? Uh, me? Is, you talk, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you. Is he the gun-toting madman from Ajax? Yes, he is the gun-toting madman from Ajax. That's why I went to you. I thought you'd, you at least would know that story. Um, we've not signed him today, but do you want to hear a little bit about him? Yeah. Yeah, I thought you would. 
He wasn't bad, actually. He played uh, right back for a period against East Grinstead. Not, uh, I hear he's got a good shot. Hey, I didn't even, we didn't even plan that. He has, he's got a good shot, yeah. That's not much point saying much more. You've gone for the joke very early, very early <laughs> on. Let's not mess about, eh? Yeah, no messing about here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right, okay, um, well, a few more sort of bits and pieces to pick up from that, really. And, uh, well, I mean, the next, the game's coming up. We, we mentioned that, uh, it's the game tomorrow. That's the Norwich game, of course. It's a home game. Um, very much hoping to see a, a full first team there. So if you, if you go into that one, you will get to see some of the players we're talking about here. I do hope uh, for everyone's sake that John Williams gets a, a fair uh, fair period on the pitch because it's well worth singing. Um, I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, talking about the East Grinstead game, uh, we did speak to Dougie afterwards. Myself and uh, Pax sort of very nervously went up to him and... After we we spoke to Lenny at first, and he just told us to speak to Dougie. Then we went quiet for a bit, didn't we, Pax? And then, uh, and then you just you just went straight in there, and Dougie was very nice and, and just gave us a quick three minute, uh, sorry, three question interview. Um, we're a bit a bit in awe, really, but here it is. Hi, we're here with Dougie Freeman. Uh, just watched us beat East Grinstead by three goals to nil, uh, four goals to nil. Penny scoring at the end there. Uh, really, really quickly, Dougie, um, uh, how did you uh, find that game? How did you enjoy that? Oh, it was a fantastic game. You know, it's very good to see the youngsters playing, coming down to a local team uh, and, and enjoying the sort of the good, the good pitch, the good facilities. And it's good to, you know, I can see the youngsters playing next time we win a field of pros. So, oh, it was a very good exercise. Uh, any uh, any of the youngsters sort of stand out for you? I mean, obviously, not necessarily given too many specifics, but anyone surprise you perhaps? No, listen, you don't, I, n- I never do that because youngsters are uh, this day and age, they've got, they've got enough to battle against, and they don't, I don't need to get, pop up their ego any more than, <laughs> than they have these days, so this and they all done well. Obviously, the result's good, and a few different goal scores, which is nice, and you know, I know all of them, but it's nice to see them in matches. Uh, fair point, and uh, last last but not least, uh, were East Grinstead a good test for you? Oh, yeah, the team's a good test, you know, the team that we come down and play against it's a good test for us you know it's early season early in the, early in the pre-season it's a good facilities you know and I know one of our main sponsors is a very favourite fan down here Bell Hill so we're all round is a very good exercise uh, off and on the field ok that's fantastic thanks for your time Dougie we'll let you go now all your best thank you thank you very much mate thank you Strike, short scandal, puts Crystal Palace in front from absolutely nothing. What the hell went on there, Mikey? Unbelievable! You can't, you cannot get the producers. Uh, uh, we we had a we had a C bomb in the middle of that, and then someone played the intro. And we've lost Chris a we've lost a presenter. I just I don't even know what to say there. I'm really sorry to everyone having to listen to that amateur behaviour from. From our producer, and he will pay. Um, unbelievable. Anyway, so as I was saying, the, the Norwich friendly is coming up tomorrow. Um, I think, uh, well, buying tickets in advance is you've, you've only got a few hours there, and it's £10 for adults, a pound for under 16s, £5 for concessions. I think adult prices go up by five tomorrow. I'm not sure about the other prices, but I mean, it'll be well worth it. Well, be well, will be well worth it. I'm turning to El Mafad. It will be well worth it if you get to see um, get to see some of the younger lads play. Cause, and uh, and certainly, we'll probably get a good look at Pedroza, um, see if he's see he's up to the standard. And of course, I think Jonathan Parr's now uh, joined us, and, and Yedinak's getting quite close to um to, to fitness and to being able to play. So 
could really see some um some very interesting uh, uh players lining up for us. I think what what one thing we haven't really uh sort of touched on is the fact that we've had some some injuries uh pre-season as well. It's been pretty disappointing. Uh Paddy's been out un- up until the Crawley game where he played 45 minutes. Uh we've had KG picked up a hamstring strain going into a very heavy challenge during the Wickham game. Uh Alex Winter picked up a strain. Uh I think perhaps a couple more it escapes me a bit really. So that's a bit one little perhaps a little worrying sign early on in pre season. What you don't want going into a new season is to start it with half your players injured, even if it is just something little. Uh, anyway, next game after the, the Norwich game is uh, Dulwich Hamlet the day after. I believe that's a Club 11 game, similar to the, the East Grinstead affair. Uh, that is, um, again, I, I would if you can get to that one, it's part of the, uh, the deal for us signing Quay Taylor. Uh, and if you can get to that one, do so, because, the, the, you know, there's a good chance to see some of the, real, uh, the, the talented young lads we've got. And, uh, and Saturday, that's the 30th, we've got a, a nice little trip down to Bournemouth. Uh, hopefully the weather holds as well as it is uh, in the last couple of days. And again, that's a full first team friendly, so it'd be uh, be well worth getting down there to that one. Uh, you going to that, Pax? No, I've got cricket, mate. Ah, yeah. what? I know, it's a bit of a shame, but I'll be at Peterborough. Yeah, you will. Uh, that's that's probably a good thing to talk about. Actually. Uh, Albert's going to be on his way back any second now. Just it's just in time to, to get to. It is. Uh, <laughs> sold, can you believe how many we've sold? 2,200 already? Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Really it's, good. Uh, in the terraces there as well. Good old-fashioned terrace. Yeah, um, we'll be there, Chris. If you don't were there any there? up. <laughs> that's not very nice, is it? Were there any terraces last season? You went to every away game? Uh, not not uh, any other um, like away days, but Peterborough the year before, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But none last year, no. Oh, excellent stuff. Albert, you're back. Hi. Hello. All right, well, look, you're back just in time for us to do the live news in brief. Now, what happens is we usually record news in brief, but due to uh, inability to speak, um, we have to do it live. Okay, um, so I think if Mikey can be trusted, he's going to play us the the, uh, intro. I'll start speaking and we'll see how we get on. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. The start of the new season brings the return of the hugely popular Selhurst 6 and 12 packages. With some huge championship games lying in wait, this year it's better value than ever. Packages give you great discounts on matchday prices, and you can guarantee your seat for the home games against the likes of West Ham, Millwall and Brighton. For more details, call the box office on 08712 000071 or visit the membership section of www.cpfctickets.com Thanks Cheers Sweaty The first Empire Championship match of the 2011-12 season against Peterborough is now on sale from the box office and online to all fans Already over 2,200 tickets have been sold and uh, season, season ticket holders and members with a capacity of 3,500, our advice is to book as soon as possible, as there may not be there may not be many left on the day. Over to you, Albert. Cheers. Crystal Palace have announced the signing of Norwegian international Jonathan Parr, an undisclosed flea from a club that I can't pronounce. The 22-year-old has signed a three-year deal, becoming Dougie Freeman's fourth signing of the summer, and was registered as a Palace player today. Jonathan, who has two caps for his country, said, I know it's a tough and physical league, and last season was a tough one for the club, but I hope that it'll be a better season this year, and I'm really looking forward to it. 
Over to you, Chris. Thank you very much. The provisional squad numbers have been announced, and here are some selected highlights. Julian Speroni keeps his number one shirt after having the restaurant named after him at the ground. Nathaniel Klein retains number two despite rumours of a move away. New signing Jonathan Parr picks up the number four shirt for his debut season. Skipper Paddy McCarthy retains number five. Darren Ambrose is still wearing the sought-after number seven shirt. KG celebrates his permanent signing with his shirt made famous by AJ. That's number eight. Uh, Big Norwegian Stefan Everson keeps the famous number nine. Uh, Owen Garvin's reward for turning down a move to Brighton is to keep his number 10. Uh, Sean Scannell was promoted from number 14 to number 11. Number 11, I said. Perhaps an indication he's ready to play a more prominent role. New signing Michael Miele Yedinak starts his Palace career at number 15. Glenn Murray brings number 17 from the South Coast and hopefully he'll bring the goals with it. Sensation of pre-season, Johnny Esther himself, that's Jonathan Williams, he gets himself number 20. Alex Winter, last season's uh, under-18 skipper Alex, is given number 22. The goal-scoring super sub, Ibra Sakaja, uh, starts his first pro deal with number 27. Uh, Stuart O'Keefe, impressing many people, including Matthew Packham, this in pre-season, is given number 28. And if he keeps progressing that way, he will seem very low. And finally, Big Calvin Andrews, given number 31. And after his all-action displays against East Grinstead and Crawley, don't write him off yet. News in Brave. 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 Now... What was supposed to happen now is that we're supposed to go to the the interview with Raj. I'm just waiting for uh, for the producer to catch up. La, 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 la. Your uh, uh, list of players and their shirt numbers sounded like a bit like an old Radio One uh, singles countdown on a Sunday night. It did, and it felt like that as well. I felt I felt somewhat cheapened by it all. Anyway, I was going to try and uh, find my cassette player to press play, <laughs> record at the same time. Do you remember cassettes, Pax? You two are. Uh, too, too young. Uh, sorry, uh, Raj, yeah, we've, uh, sorry, we've started sorry, rambling sorry. about nothing. Uh, how are you, Raj? All right. Excellent stuff. Evening, Raj. Um, <laughs> that was uh, Albert speaking to you there. And uh, oh, yeah, obviously, you're you're here to talk about the uh, the training ground scheme uh, being led by the the, the trust. Um, I'm okay. Yeah, <laughs> you're okay. That was that was delayed slightly. Your response there. Can you hear us correctly? Wow, it's a big satellite delay. Can you um can we try adding Raj once more, Mikey? He's only coming from Croydon, isn't he? Yeah. Hi right, Raj, can you hear us now? Yeah, I can now. Is that better? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, it was like we were talking to you from somewhere somewhere deep down under with a massive satellite delay. It was quite disturbing. Okay, um, Raj, I, you've gone quiet again. Hopefully you can hear me. Yeah. Um, you've been appointed project manager for the training ground scheme, which is uh, being led by the Trust. Can you just tell us a little bit about the process leading to that appointment and uh, what you see the, the, the key elements to that role are? <laughs> good answer. Yeah, it's a very, very good answer. Um I'll tell you what. Yeah, um, can okay. you guys hear me there? Yeah, 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 I think you've got some sort of delay, but just go for it. Okay, I'll just go for it and uh, ramble on and stop me uh, if, if you want to. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, yeah, right, okay, yeah, well, we've, um, nice is all good. 
Sorry, mate. Are you here? Oh, okay, hold on, hold on. Uh, can you end, Mikey, end the call? And can you call? I'm going to uh, try try a number for Raj. Yes, dead. I'm uh, very sorry about this, ladies and gentlemen. We'll bring you Raj as soon as we possibly can. You it's can just... ask me the questions if you want. I'll do, I'll do yeah. my best to answer them. Yeah. Is there any way that? Uh, how do you feel about the Trust Training Ground Initiative? Uh, do you know what? I think it's a bloody good idea. Isn't it? Isn't it a good idea? And. Um, I mean, will you be contributing your large sums of money for it? Well, I was going to... Do you know what? The ironic thing was, I was going to donate £280, and then Lambeth Council towed my car, and it cost me exactly that amount to get it back, so... Uh, That's I'm a shocker. That really is a I'm going to have to source funds. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. From elsewhere. I don't, I don't know. I'll get, personally, I'll get some, uh, some money in October, but unfortunately I've spent it already, so I was, I was going to invest myself. Now, it's a very initiative, and hopefully if we uh, phone Raj, I'll be able to hear us and we'll be able to get some more information. Hi Raj, can you hear us now? I can now, yeah. I don't know what happened there. There's a huge delay. It must have been very confusing. I blame Matthew It was Packham. very confusing indeed. I kept hearing myself speaking, which was... Not All right. Nightmare. That's exactly the kind of professionalism we like to do, give out on Homestay Radio. Okay, mate. Well, welcome welcome along. And thank you for speaking to us. And um, I'm going to go straight well, in with the questions because we've, uh, we've managed to um, waste a significant amount of time already. <laughs> so... Um, You've been uh, appointed as project manager for the training ground scheme, being led by the uh, Crystal Palace Supporters Trust. Uh, can you tell us about the process that led to that appointment and what you see the key elements are to that role? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, obviously, we started off when, when we first started with the whole training ground initiative. Uh, it was all volunteers working with the club and fans to see how you know, how we could uh, move forward, following administration, see how you know if there was a role for the trust. And one of the early conversations that we had with uh, Steve Parrish and the other owners was around possi- possibly looking at the trust buying a new training ground uh, and then leasing it to uh, the club. So that that tipped off very nicely and we started doing stuff in our spare time. But it got to hmm. a point where we thought the project was actually a real goer uh, and it involved raising about £4 million. So we thought that we needed to bring a bit of professionalism into the whole yeah. process at that point. We kind of decided that we needed to have a project manager, someone to pull everything together um, at that point, uh, it was a bit of a dilemma for me because obviously I really enjoyed being on the trust board, but I yeah. got so into the whole training ground project that I thought that I possessed the skills that the board of the trust might be thinking would be suited for this role. So I basically took a step back uh, and resigned from the board uh, so I could actually apply for the role. Uh, and I went there with a view that, you know, if I was the best candidate for the job, then great. And if I wasn't, I was quite happy to go back to doing the stuff I was doing because at the end of the day, we're all in it to see the club do well. So yeah. I put my hat in the ring. Uh, a panel uh, interviewed three um, bidders for the project and they seemed to think that I was the best person for the role. So Excellent. that's where we are at the moment. Okay, I mean... Uh, we've got some sort of listener questions um, that sort of want to go into the specifics of that, and I'm sure you've probably seen the threads on on the, on the various uh, websites. Wow. But but before we before we sort of go delving into that, um, I want to talk mainly about what the what the project is itself as well, because that's to me that's the key yeah. issue here. And it's it's um, so I mean basically give us a brief rundown. What's what is the goal of this training ground project, and what have you right. done up to now, and, and where are you going next? I mean, the goal of the project is to develop a fan-owned training facility which we can then lease to Crystal Palace Football Club. At the moment, they lease their um, current ground at Beckenham from a private company and pay a pretty high rent for it, which is because the company is a profit and fair game to them. Uh, What we're hoping to do is uh, identify a bit of land that we can purchase as fans through the trust, mm-hmm. and then we can um, let, lease that to the training, you know, lease that as a training ground, create it, build it, and then lease it to the club so that they can do all their training activities, whether it be for their senior squad or the academy and everything in between. Uh, and they can have the security of knowing that the people that actually own the training ground have the club's interest at heart. And that's yeah. basically the goal of this. Um, in terms of what we've done so far, well, um, we've done a feasibility study to see what the possibilities are, where we would locate a training ground, the hurdles that we're going to have to jump, including planning processes, acquiring mm. land, all those sorts of things, and that's included discussions with uh, lo- the local authority at Croydon and other councils when we were looking at other sites. And we've also talked in detail with Dougie Friedman about the kinds of facilities that he would envisage in a training ground because it's not just mm. about uh, pitches for players to kick ball about in. 
it's about something a bit more than that. It's about physiotherapy um, equipment and spaces. It's about a gym. It's about the rest areas and all the other things that you'd associate with their place of work because obviously mm. the training ground is where the players and the coaching staff spend most of their time. Uh, yeah. So that, that kind of stuff we've done. Next step, obviously, is to go through the process of actually getting the land uh, raising the money to uh, build and to, to actually get the project up and running uh, and take it from there. So that's that's the, the, the next steps. And the main one mm. there, which I'm sure you want to talk about, is raising £4 million to actually build <laughs> the thing. Indeed, that, that is that is the next question. I did want to bring bring to attention something you you mentioned there that people might not have actually been aware of, and that's that's the involvement of the the staff, namely Dougie Friedman. There, perhaps that's yeah. something that people hadn't realised that you were doing, but that's that's the level of attention that the uh, that the that has been given at the club, and that's the level of detail that the the, the trust and yourself are going into as well. So I think it's probably an important point to emphasise that this isn't this isn't pie in the sky thinking. This is a very very serious. And well-conceived uh, idea that that you know needs support really. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 not just something that we thought up on a whim, or we had a little chat, a little cosy chat with the owners, and they said, yeah, go away, patted us on the back, and sent us away, and said, go mm. away, and put some sketches on a bit of paper, and come back and see what happens. This is actually something that's been properly costed. The trust has already invested over ten thousand pounds. Uh, in getting a feasibility study done. And we spent a lot of time working with uh, particularly Dougie uh, in terms of looking at the kind of things that a good, twi- uh, you know, a good uh, 21st century training ground needs uh, for a club that has ambitions uh, to play at the highest level. Yeah. Well, OK, um... I mean, the the obvious question... I mean, there's there's been a few few concerns raised, but the obvious one is... Uh, I suppose it's what what is the likelihood? What how do the trust feel the likelihood of raising those sort of funds are? Because we're talking millions. Um, yep. Is is I mean, is it first of all do you see it being a problem? And and do you think perhaps there's an element of having to change people's perceptions of what this idea is and what the trust are to actually buy into the concept? Yeah, I mean, I mean certainly we need to change people, some people's perceptions. Though we've had a lot of positive. Uh, feedback in terms of where we're going with this, but I think a good, uh, if, if I could just give you an example of this is a unique scheme in terms of buying a training ground, and one mm. of the reasons why we want to do this is about the long-term security of the club. For now, I'm not going to rake up things from the past and previous owners, other than to say that we used to own as a club a training ground. The site that we currently lease for for hundreds of thousands of pounds a year used to be owned by the previous owners of the club and when yep. times were hard um, you know it was sold you know that training ground was sold and then leased back now the idea of a non-profit entity like the trust owning a training ground means that you know even if times are hard it isn't an asset that can readily be got rid of by owners whoever they might be the current owners or future owners it's about an asset that is secure on behalf of the fans and on behalf of the club rather than mm. any individual. That's the, that's the main premise. Now, yeah. In terms of raising £4 million, it sounds like a really daunting task, and believe you me, it is daunting, and we don't take it lightly, and I certainly don't. But a mm. good um, perspective to put on it is, um, for those of you that, you know, you may have heard of a, an outfit called FC United of Manchester, which is a bunch mm-hmm. of people who got sick and tired of the Glazers and set up their own club which is pretty low down in the pyramid of football um, yep. 
they have recently worked with their local authority in Greater Manchester because they want to buy a bit of land or lease a bit of land from their council and uh, build a stadium there because they currently lease um, their stadium. So if you look at that, they've got about 2,000 fans, if you like, um, on their books, of whom they have a hardcore 200 who go to games day in, day out, week in, week out. Now, inside a few months uh, from the point in which they issued their brochure, they've managed to raise £1.4 million from a pool of 2,000 fans. And most of these people haven't been giving them big checks. Most of these people are ordinary individual Mancunians who've been giving them, on average, £500 a go. So mm. that's £500 a go, raising £1.4 million from a fan base of 2,000. Now, um, if you look at Crystal Palace, we've got, what, just under 10,000 season ticket holders. Uh, yeah. Go a bit further down in terms of the trust, actual members of the trust at the moment, somewhere in the region of, region of 2,000. So if you look at 10,000 as, as, a, as a guiding figure of how our hardcore fan base, the people that you expect to go into every home game because they bought a ticket for it, then what you're talking about is, what, something in the region of 5,000, just half of them putting in 500 pounds a go, and you've already got two and a half million pounds. Now, yeah, obviously, you know, obviously some people can't afford 500 pounds right now, but might think, well, yeah. it's something I want to do, and I might be able to put a bit in each month. Then, you know, if you were to sacrifice a round of drinks a week, let's say you buy a round of drinks, so you save 10, you want to put 10 pounds a week in. That works mm. out, broadly speaking, 40, 50 pounds a month. If you put in 50 pounds a month in instalments, within a year, you've got yourself a 600 pound stake in this training ground project. So mm. if you break it down and also compare it with the smaller fan base up north, bearing in mind we're in London, uh, yeah. I think that if a little club like FC United can do it, then there's no reason why we, as a club that you know, have great traditions and have a much wider fan base, can't do something similar. And here we're only talking about the fans. We've obviously got wealthier fans and uh, businesses and corporate uh, people who have invested in the football club over the years, and maybe they might want to put more than just £500 or £2,000 or what have you. They might want to put mm. £20,000 in. And at a time when interest rates in banks aren't very high at all and aren't likely to be for a couple of years... You know, if you've got the odd £500 or the odd £20,000 sitting in a deposit account not really doing much, then, you know, if you've got an opportunity to contribute to, you know, your club, then yeah. it, it's slightly more attractive. And there's a, a little bit of icing on the cake, and that is that bearing in mind we're going to be, once it's all built, we're going to be charging the club a modest rent, but, you know, mm. nonetheless a rent. We're not going to get it for nothing. What we can then do is use some of the money we get from that to give back to the people who have put in and bought these bought their stake in the club. So we, we're looking, certainly after the first three years, of giving everybody that's invested in this initiative somewhere in the region of 3% um, return on their money. Um, so obviously it's not going to make people rich, and, but the idea no. isn't to make people rich, but it's just a little incentive to say, you know, you're going to get something. It's not... It's not you know, something for nothing. You're not just being asked mm. for a whole load of money 
and you're not going to get anything back. You're going to get quite a few things back. One of them is you're going to know that your club has got a latest state-of-the-art facility. But the other thing you're going to do is you're going to get some sort of a modest return as well. So, you know, if you if you if you break it down into those sorts of little components, then yeah. you know, four million pounds doesn't sound as daunting as it might do um, initially. No, absolutely not. I can recall from the uh, the meeting at, at Sellers when and Steve Parrish came in and talked about it himself. Um, you know, one of the points he made, uh, which you know you've, we've touched on there, is is how you know the current training ground. It's you know it's a, it's a nice enough facility, and you know we don't own it as you say, but but having something purpose built and state of the art makes makes signing players that much easier. It makes uh, you know getting kids to uh, to commit to the club that much easier. It has it has a much wider reaching um, impact than perhaps just having somewhere nice to train. It's you know there's, there's, there's a there's a bigger impact there. Um, okay, listen, uh, that's good. We've got we've got some listener questions. Um, hopefully, uh, Matt Packham's going to reword the one that he's got because I'm not too sure the wording was as careful as it should have been. Um, but I'm definitely going to reword it. Rog, hello mate. Yep. Hi. Right. I've got a guy called Anthony Kasher who would like he's got a few questions. You can answer them short and sweet or you know but he put should you have accepted the position of project manager uh when he believes that you are quite aware um that you don't have uh fully backing of certain supporter groups at Selhurst Park. Right, well, I mean, I, I know Anthony pretty well, and I guess his references are to a blog that I wrote in a personal capacity a few months back where I raised some concerns about certain elements uh, of football in general and mm. my worry that certain elements of our fan base might go down a particular path. Uh, and that's a fair point, uh, uh, but it was done in a personal capacity, and the thoughts weren't necessarily put in the in, in the way that I would have hoped. Uh, obviously, the group that he's referring to is the Homestyle Fanatics. Yeah. I have a lot of time and a lot of respect for the Homestyle Fanatics. Uh, I think that they play an important part in uh, the atmosphere of the club, particularly at away games, uh, but also at home games as well, uh, and... I, I guess the view there is that uh, I said some things that upset people, and you know, if I, you know, I certainly didn't intend to upset people, and if I did, I certainly apologise for that. But you know, I, I think I am the right person for this role, and uh, mm. I think at the end of the day, we've all got to put the interests of the club at the forefront. And if the club, you know, and if I am the best person to lead this project, and I think I am, and the board of the trust seems to think I am. Then uh, I think I am right to take this role. Mm. That's one right, of the sort. Yeah. Sorry, now go, now go on, Pax. You, you finish that, mate. No, I was just saying to anyone who's listening. I think you know he's summed that up really well there, and I don't think he had any intention to have any hard feelings on the Homestyle Fanatics because everyone knows at the club that what they've done as a group is probably one of the best things that's happened to the club in a long time for the fans mm. and I think Raj knows that and we all know that so yeah. hopefully people understand 
Yeah, I was I was going to say similar myself. I mean, Raj, we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and uh, talk to you a little bit about Palace later on because, you know, since since you're on, it'd be nice to actually talk about, you know, some a few light-hearted general things as well. But yeah. I mean, you 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 travel, you're, you know, you're at every game home and away. I don't don't know when the last time you missed an away game was. We were talking the other day about, uh, you know, you you missing games, uh, not even missing games through car trouble and things like that. So yeah, I think what, I, I haven't missed, missed a competitive game in about two and a half years. Yeah, which is, that's, I mean, it's a fantastic effort. And I, I would just really personally bring across that for all, you know, for all the issues that were raised in that, and you know, people had a right potentially reading what, what you wrote to be upset, depending on how you interpret it, they had a right to be upset. But at the same time, I, I would ask people just to consider where it's coming from. It's, it's coming from someone who is, you know, dedicated to this football club, who gives their, you know, their time, well, you've given your time up for the trust for nothing for for a very long period of time, you know. And I just think people do need to understand that where that comes from. It's not it's not someone. Yeah, you were at the protest days, weren't you? Of course, you were all of those. And as well. he was the one that did most of it, to be honest, Chris. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I just that's just my point on it, and and I think that's the people should really give you a bit of a break on that one, you know. Whether, whether you consider it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, mean, I hope that the, the, the lads in Homestyle Fanatics understand that where I was coming from was not a criticism of the Homestyle Fanatics. It was a criticism and a fear I had about where some groups lead to, and I know that it won't happen at Crystal Palace. And I don't, I know, you know, I don't want to prolong this whole thing, but I know no. that the lads that form the Homestyle Fanatics mean well. Uh, and I know that they're a great bunch of lads on the whole, including the guy who, uh, Anthony, who, who posed those questions. You know, they're, they're yeah. good people, uh, and I want them to stay good. Uh, so, you know, I, I guess we can move on, and I'm happy to chat mm. with anybody and talk to any of the fanatics about that blog or other things, but let's, let's move forward and let's look at, you know, the, the task yeah. at hand in terms of a- doing I think I think the, the what people worry people had was that it might affect the the idea of fundraising. I think the message there is is that for people shouldn't let it affect the fundraising because that's not what it's about. It's about the future of the football club, and it's about having a lovely training facility, and it's about the supporters actually getting a you know getting a share in in helping the football club. And I think that's that's probably the key thing there. Uh, Albert, you've got some uh, some sunnier, shiny questions. Yeah, I've got a question from uh, a guy called Billy Rhino. Um, and it sort of prompted a question from me as well. His question is, is there a plan B if the full amount can't be raised? Say, you know, we only get two million. Um, and that sort of leads me to say, you know, c- cynics in football might ask that, you know, since CPFC 2010 is made up of, you know, se- several very wealthy board members, you know, why aren't they paying for the training ground outright themselves? Right. A good, oh, a, a good question. Um, plan B. And, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a valid point to raise about what about the current owners can't they put in a couple of million in towards it and I think I think the you know in the future if we don't manage to achieve our target it may well be that that is the direction we look at but the whole basis of what why we're working with them and why the trust is doing this is because they genuinely want fans to be a part of the club but at the same time they don't want fans to put money into a bottomless pit now they could quite easily have said well, we'll release some shares in the football club to fans or some other uh, venture. Now, if you think about that, you've got the possibility of putting in, you know, I mean, you know, putting money into a football club is like a bottomless pit, as they're finding, you know, unless you've got rigorous controls, 
you could end up wasting your money. Look at poor old Simon mm. Jordan. At the moment, he's yeah. on the verge of personal bankruptcy because he went in with all good intentions 11 years ago to, you know, buy the club, save it from its previous administration until every penny that he'd earned in his, you know, for his mobile phone empire basically ran out. And so these guys don't want fans to get into that trap and put money into something that has no outcome. That's why, you know, they're letting the trust do this so that it protects an asset for the community and for the football club. But, you know, the plan B, well, you know, if we raise two million from ordinary fans, uh, it isn't just Steve Parrish and his three co-owners that you can think about. But if you think back to a year ago or a year and a half ago when, when the club was in administration, it wasn't just four people floating around as fans of the club. There were other mm. wealthy people who were associated with them and some who considered, genuinely considered whether they wanted to buy a stake in this club as well. And for whatever reasons, we ended up with just a team, you know, partnership of four, and we're very grateful to these four. But there were other people who were interested, you know, as fans in contributing to the rescue package when we were in administration. And one of the things I'd like to do is talk to some of these people uh, who decided not to put 20, 30 million pounds into the club, and that's, you know, that, that's right, that's fine and proper. It wasn't right for them at the time. Well, maybe these, you know, these are the kinds of people that might want to chip in a hundred thousand or a couple of hundred thousand mm. to make up that difference between where where we are with ordinary fans, let's say raising two million, two and a half million, and uh, the gap uh, and the shortfall for actually getting this project uh, uh, to, to, you know, to conclusion. So, you know, there are quite a few wealthier fans. And mm. we want to talk to them. Uh, but at the same time, we want to see how many ordinary fans feel that they're, they're able to contribute, you know. And in, at the end of the day, I don't really have a problem with whether someone wants to invest 600 or 500 pounds or a couple of hundred thousand. The idea yeah. is that we want Palace fans to make this happen. Yeah, I think, I think ideal world, ideal world, it comes from, you know, regular fans, if you like, but, but yeah, it's nice, nice to know that there's, there's quite a lot being thought about in terms of how it could go and, and, you know, what the options are. I mean, obviously, I've seen this, this has been going on for, for some time already, as you, as you went into earlier. And it's, you know, I say, I, I think the, the obvious question to sort of, to finish on, and I'm gonna, after we've done this, I'm just gonna ask you a few little bits about, uh, about Palace and what we're talking about next, if you don't mind. But, um, the sort of final question, training ground wise, is, is, what what do people do to find out more and to, and to learn about how they can actually start to contribute? I mean, it's probably some way off at right. the moment, but absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're about to launch a new website, which is going to have a whole section dedicated to the training ground with regular updates uh, uh, and the full details. And when we've got the prospectus, the formal prospectus that we're going to launch, because it's a legal thing we're required to do, uh, is give you a document and offer documents so that you know where your 500 or pounds or what have you is going to. Uh, and all of the information is going to be on this new website. But in the interim, and I know there are some people that have been asking on the bulletin boards about what to do, um, mm. the, the easiest thing to do now is to throw me an email. And the email address is nice and easy. It's TG, which stands for Training Ground, obviously. So it's TG at palistrust.org.uk. Uh, TG at palistrust.org.uk throw me an email, uh, we'll get back to you uh, and we'll keep your, your name on file. If, there's, if it's questions you want answered, we'll do our best to answer them within a five to seven day period. If it's wanting to sign up to it, 
we'll leave, we'll put your name on a database and when we're ready to hit the, you know, hit the button, you'll be one of the first that we'll contact. If you're a very wealthy person that wants to give me lots of money, then I also want to hear from you on that email address and I'll make a personal visit to you and have a chat with you to see how you can, you know, see, see, see where we go. And of course, if you're, if you think you've got some skills to offer, I don't know, if you're an architect or, or a builder that wants to talk to us about how you can help with the actual practical sides of the project, likewise, throw me an email at that address and I'll get back to you on that as well. Uh, and look out for our website. I mean, uh, as I said, we're launching the new website in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, the URL is www.palacetrust.org.uk. Fantastic. We'll give you plenty of plugs on that one. I've been I've been speaking to uh, to Chris Waters as well, and he's and I've made sure he's aware that any time you guys on the trust need to uh, to make anyone aware of stuff, we're happy to have you guys on and give you a bit of time. Uh, listen, that's just that's your time has been so much appreciated today, Raj. Um, and I hope everyone's got some answers to some of their questions on the on the uh, training ground issue. And obviously, Raj has given you an email address there, which will hopefully uh, stick up on the threads uh, for whole radio this week anyway. Uh, and if you've got any further questions, like he says, he's happy to answer them for you. So, all right, listen, we'll move on for the, from the training ground there. Uh, I'm just yeah. going to quickly steal your opinion on our next subject that we're going to talk about before I let you go. Um, yeah. And the next subject we're going to talk about, I don't know if you've seen it, it's the... Um, it's, it's, well, we call it rebranding the football club. It's this um, this sort of mention of a potential redesign of the badge or uh, potentially a competition. Yeah. I think Steve Parrish mentioned this week. Yeah. Uh, what's your What's your feeling on the badge, uh, whether it should well, be changed we, or not? Yeah. Well, when Steve um, first had this idea, um, there were, he, he called a little ga- gathering at his offices up in up at Tag and. Uh, I actually was privileged enough to, to go on behalf of the trust when I was a board member of the trust. Mm. This was going a good few months where, where some thoughts were put and he explained why he wanted to change the logo. And I think, you know, I mean, I mean, I think that where he's coming from isn't changing the identity of the club, but what he's looking at is, in a way, it was a more practical point of view that, that the current logo he felt wasn't very easy to replicate on um, particularly leisure wear uh, mm. and it was a bit you know a bit heavy for people other than absolute diehard palace fans I mean you know people like you and myself and, and the lads, mm. lads here you know we're, we're quite happy to wear our colours and be proud of it and we don't yeah. have a problem how big the logo is uh, key things there for us I guess are an eagle uh, and the heritage of Crystal Palace uh, yep. but the idea was that you want to have something for everybody, and apart, you, know, you may not, you know, when you're walking, I don't know, when you're at the seaside with, your, you know, particularly at Brighton with your kids, you might want to, to show your colours in a slightly more discreet way. So, um, so that's, yeah, that's the idea behind it. I think getting fans involved in any redesign, if there is going to be a redesign, is really good, and getting the competition going. I know that when I was at the at TAG, um, there were some fans who had put in some designs, and we set them aside, you know, set them alongside some of the more professional uh, uh, designers of, of new mm. imaging and branding. And I think from memory, uh, the two that, the, you know, this was only personal subjective opinions, but for round yeah. the table, the, the two designs that, that, that were thought of as the most liked by the people in that room one of them was one by a professional graphic designer logo designer and the other one was from a fan so mm. you know uh, it shows that you know you can blend the professional with 
the views of fans uh, concerned. And the idea of having a competition, uh, I mean, I'm not aware of the, the recent announcement, but if, you know, if there's going to be a competition uh, mm. to look at new logos, and I think that that's a, you know, a, a pretty good thing. I mean, I'm, I mean you know, at the Trust, we've just been, as I said, looking at redesigning our website and We've yeah. gone through a lot of pain, and, and you find that when you, whenever someone suggests change, it can, you know, people quite like what they've got, and uh, yeah. change is something, particularly in the whole design world, where where it's a bit difficult to start with. But when you get used to a new idea, and particularly if you, you know, it isn't just change for the change's sake, yeah. and it's open and you invite different opinions, then I think it could be for, the, you know, for the good. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, okay. Well, listen, Roger, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you go. You've given us plenty of food for thought on that one. We'll uh, we'll take away after we uh, let you have a rest. But uh, look, I mean, again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, well, and thank it's, you for having me. It's been a, no, no worries at all. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I hope you've 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 uh, had the chance to get everything you wanted to get across across. Oh, no, across if, twice, if people have got any questions for me, I'm always around. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll be hanging around uh, Selhurst tomorrow before the. Norwich game, and I'll also be at Bournemouth, so just, you know, I'm a pretty easy person to spot, so uh, <laughs> anyone wants to have a chat with me about the training ground, just feel free to do so. Okay, thanks very much, Raj. Um, I'm Bye. sure I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers okay, now. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Okay, that's fantastic. Well, guys, we've just started talking about it. We won't go on too long because we've already overrun slightly, but since we've started the subject, I want to get your early opinions on the... Um, on the potential rebrand of the club badge. Uh, before I do that, I mean, I'd, I'd echo a lot of what, what Raj has actually said. Um, but my personal opinion is there's no harm in having a look. Um, I, I respect that the owners know more about marketing than I do. And I think there is a sense of identity with the badge. But having said that, if you if you take your emotion out of it for, for a few minutes and you have a look at the fact we've had six or seven different badges in our club's lifetime, it's kind of... You know, there's an argument there to say moving on doesn't mean the club loses its identity. So, uh, Pax, you first. Uh, how do you feel about the idea of changing the badge? Uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Um, definitely, but I do really like the badge that we've got already. So, in the same way, think, I think, you know... Do you think um, Ra- Ra- Raj made the point about... I mean, I, I know I've heard people say similar before as well, about having that badge on, on leisure wear and training wear just doesn't quite work for most people. You sort of see uh, some of the, the sort of sportswear on on sale at the club shop, and you think, well, it'd be nice if it didn't have a massive palace badge on it. That kind of thing. I've heard people say that. You, no, no opinion yet. <laughs> not really. I just I do like the badge that we've got already, and yeah. I'm I don't know. I, I don't know. I just don't know. You don't know yet. I, okay. No, I really I, don't, mate. No worries. We'll uh, we'll do some research and have a think <laughs> about it. <laughs> Albert. <laughs> Uh, it's a weird one for me. Um, I like it. Uh, I think I don't understand all this. It's heavy and it's difficult to replicate. You know, it's been replicated for the past however many years. So, you know, what's what's changing there? Um, I'm interested to see a new design, but I think there should also be the option of, you know, keeping what what there is if stuff's not there. I don't know. It's a weird one. It just all seems a bit. Seems like an apprentice task. You know, yeah, rebrand a football yeah. club and and team. Whatever they're called, Apex or something is gonna yeah, always Apex come in Alpha. and completely ruin it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those, isn't it? You, you, I mean, you're kind of trying to react to something you don't know the full implications of. 
but just if you, I think a lot of people's reaction on just the idea. I know there's a poll on the Homesdale uh, homepage. Uh, I, th- I think there's a poll in the thread on the BBS as well, which um, it seems uh, between half and sort of three quarters of everyone doesn't want the badge touched, which is a, which is a, you're talking huge numbers there, really. Um, which, you know, how much of that is just down to the initial rejection of change that, that Raj referred to? I, I don't know, but. Certainly, it doesn't seem a massively popular idea, um, and basically, we'll, we'll keep following that one throughout the season. Who was the toughest person that did the London 2020 Marble Olympic logo? I think that doesn't do it. I think what I'd be alright looks like looks like a silly system between the sex and sex acts. I just sounded in love Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You sounded like the Cyberman again there, mate. I'm not sure what you said, but I'm. No, no, stop, stop, stop vibrating. I don't like it. It's scary. Okay, fantastic. Like, we'll, we're going to end the show there. Uh, especially as every time uh, Albert turns mechanical, I have to um, I have to move on. But listen, next week we've got um, former academy centre back Dan Pringle. He's joining us for an interview, and uh, and we've also got an announcement uh, of a of a new presenter, a uh, new presenter of the team, who who may Ooh. used to play for Palace. Ooh, ooh, and uh, yeah. So look forward to that. Look forward to speaking to you ooh. again. And I want to say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.